Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone! To the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other lads from Cultaholic are um, are, are discussing Luke Luke Harper being injured, it's it's a it's it's a slow week. It's a really slow week. We are here in our Ica Pro powered DeLorean back in 1993, where it is all kicking off, heading towards the King of the Ring. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie Radio presenter Tom Campbell. I be with the Bear in the Big Blue Barcade. The head pen of Cultaholic doesn't need a pencil, gets it right every time. There is Justin Henry in America. Hi, Justin, waving through the window. How you doing there, Tommy? Uh, I'm all good. Sad. Uh, here's the thing, right? We record this on a Monday. It goes out on a Wednesday. So I'm starting off by saying, oh, it's a quiet week this week. You watch like everything will happen on Monday Night Raw tonight. 30 wrestlers will get injured. They will sign everyone from New Japan. And then and they'll go, oh, why does Tom start the podcast saying nothing's happened? That'll be a thing. And um, we're also recording on a Monday, which is which is of importance because uh, just less than two hours ago, um, the news came down the wire that we've lost a great. We've lost Stan Lee. It's 95 years of age. It's a good innings, isn't it? It's a hell of a run for someone that remained culturally culturally relevant well into his 90s especially as uh many of his marvel creations are getting great treatment on the big screen to this day and that's the most amazing thing is the fact that the work that he did the legacy he leave he left behind will go on and on and on and on and on into the future but it just means now that there'll always be that one pivotal scene missing from all the marvel films going forward which <clears> is the the always adorable stan lee cameo and that makes me really sad well, I'm. I guarantee you, he'll find a way around that, or find a way to acknowledge him, even in like maybe picture form, statue form, some little wink and nod to the audience. Hey, like as if to say, "Hey, this is where Stan would have gone." Do you want some random facts about Stan Lee? By all means. Stan Lee, in the 95 years he lived on planet Earth, never went to a barber. Really. His wife cut his hair. Never once went to a barber. And I'm quite envious of him because I don't know whether it's the same when you go to a barber, you have to make that small talk. And sometimes it's soul destroying. Well, it was, it, was always, it was always easy for me because my barber's a big sports fan like I am. So ah, just... so he walks and goes, hey, you watch the game? What? What you making the Raiders? I don't know what you say. 
Goddamn guys. Yeah, goddamn Phillies, huh? They're gonna. I'm still walking through the door at that point, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, bullpen blow it again. Uh, hey, the usual Tony. I had a new barber on Thursday. I walked in and I said, "Can I have a number one on the back and the sides of my head?" And he went, "No, you will get headaches. You're having a number two. I was like, "No." And I was so bamboozled that this guy then told me how to have my hair cut. I'm like, well, no, I've come in and asked you to do it in a certain way. <laughs> well, if he's insistent, he's insistent. He was, I, was, I was strapped in a chair and he was holding a sharp object. I couldn't really say anything about it. Um, but Stanley never dealt with that because he never ever went to a barber because his wife cut his hair. God love him. His first job was writing obituaries. <laughs> How I envy that. That's not like an easy job. Oh, well, you say that. He quit because it was just too depressing. He just couldn't handle it. Um, mm. He wrote training films for the army along with Dr. Seuss. Stanley and Dr. Seuss made training videos for the army. <laughs> you cannot do it in the trench. You cannot do it on a bench. You can never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. Um. Have you ever had an argument with a better half and they've ended up destroying something, Justin? Um, well, see, when hasn't that happened? Uh, yes, quite a number of times, I'd say. Stanley had an argument with his wife that got so heated that she destroyed the typewriter that he wrote the first issues of Spider-Man on. <laughs> there must have been some argument. Exactly. He said he's very upset because he could have actually auctioned it off and made some money. And fun fact, final fact, Stanley designed the Incredible Hulk to be a big grey monster. However, there was uh, a snafu at the printers that made him green. Well, it's... I don't know if he'd have been as big if you were grey. I think green is like the identifying colour for him. I can't imagine Hulk being anything else now. Exactly. So it was a wonderful mistake that happened completely by accident. Thank you to the guys at mentalfloss.com for, for giving me details like that. And and Excelsior, Stan Lee. Excelsior. Who's your all-time favorite Stan Lee creation? I would say mine would be... It never used to be Iron Man until Robert Downey Jr. started doing Iron Man. And now I'm all about Iron Man. Used to be about Wolverine. Now I'm all about Iron Man. It's... Used to really like Cable for some reason as well when I was much younger. Don't know why I like Cable, but <laughs> I had several X-Force and Cable comic books when I was in my early teens. I still don't know why I liked Cable. <laughs> I think for me, Spider-Man and Hulk are like the first two I really remember as a kid. Although I became very fond of both Wolverine and Iron Man as time went on. Iron Man for the same reasons you mentioned the Robert Downey Jr. portrayal because he has the best dry wit I've ever seen on any actor. And Robert Downey Jr. was asked to play a billionaire with very little Fs to give. It was quite a, quite an easy role for him, to be honest. He's just a natural. I think he was nominated for an Oscar years earlier for playing Charlie Chaplin. Amazing. So thank you, Stanley. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the things. And onwards we go, Excelsior. I'd like to, before we even start, before we start any further, I'd like to express a thank you to you if you follow me personally on Twitter, at Tom Campbell. Uh, because I went to a charity ball on Saturday night. 
and they had a big screen where all the tweets for the night were shown if you tagged them in it and they had a competition running where the person who got the most interaction on twitter won a magnum of champagne like the biggest bottle of champagne i've ever seen i put a tweet out asking if anybody would be up for for helping me with a retweet and several hundred retweets later i now own a magnum of champagne so thank you very much if you're one of those that retweet it <laughs> yep. you're a very popular man Tom. i'm you know i'm very blessed and most of those followers come from you justin because i know you are also a very popular man so thank you well i like to think that your popularity for ruining cage tyler's life is what got you so popular in the first place <laughs> if doing some terrible commentary over a terrible wrestling match meant terrible. that in 2018 i would be acquiring a magnum of champagne it was worth every moment this is like the directive video version of the butterfly effect too Anyway, Justin, have you got any news to share this week? Uh, not really. Just getting ready for Survivor Series. Although I am turning thirty-five this on Friday. Yeah. You're thirty-five on Friday. Yes, and I, and I feel every bit of it. Oh, mate, it's the, I'm in, are you not enjoying the thirties. I love the thirties. Oh, it's yet yeah and no because at this point in my life, I just I don't have as much stress as I used to because it's like. Eh, whatever. But at the same time, it's. I worked a few blue collar jobs in my. Well, not really blue collar, but physically intensive jobs. And I'm kind of feeling a little bit of those aches and pains when I wake up in the morning now. So it's. I mean, people have it much worse than me. I'm, I'm not going to say, like, uh, I'm, I'm Atlas. I got the world on my shoulders. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's nothing like that. But I, but I can only speak for myself, and I don't feel as spry as I used to. Thing is, when we're younger, we have all this energy, but we don't know what to do with it. And by the time we figure it out, we haven't got it anymore. Yeah, that's uh, it's a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. But look, if you're in your mid-30s and you've mostly got your health and you've got some pennies in the bank and you're doing things you love and getting paid for it, then you're doing all right. This is very true. I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard, although... I, I could have the world, but I always ask for a little bit more. That's just how I am. Ah, oh, keep just keep being you. That's all that matters. No, oh, thank you. Right, enough of this. Let's let's get down to business, you old fart. Let <laughs> you're the same age as me. Uh, no, actually, on Friday you are older than me. <laughs> Until January thirty first. I'll see you in two months. <laughs> see you in a bit, mate. What what? Where are we this week? What date? What time? Whereabouts? Well, it is. The air date is May 24th, 1993. The episode was taped one week earlier at the Manhattan Center. This comes right after the Shawn Michaels-Marty Jannetty title change. So the crowd is quite possibly spent from that you know, just magnificent moment. And they got another hour of TV to tape, so this should be very interesting. This always gives the credos to... Those companies that do tapings, but they record all the matches out of order. Do you remember when um, Impact Wrestling recorded like six months worth of TV in four days? And they recorded all the matches in a in a higgledy-piggledy order. One, to keep people guessing. And two, to kind of ebb and flow the crowd. 
Well, the second one definitely makes sense. It's something that, of course, I remember watching those 1996 episodes of Raw, which, God willing, we'll get to in three years. When they would tape four episodes in a night, four one-hour shows, not four three-hour shows. I mean, God forbid. Oh, my it God. Was... It's like Lord of the Rings. Jeez. You get to that go-home show before the next pay-per-view, which is the fourth show in the taping. And, and my God, if it weren't for the crowd sweetener, it'd be like sitting in a wake. You know, you'd have like T.L. Hopper versus Duke the Dumpster Drossy, and, and everyone is just either talking to each other or just staring ahead like zombies. It's, I can't... Like, I would have loved to have gone to one of those tapings. I'd have been happier than probably everybody else there. Like, an hour four, all right, Freddie Joe Floyd versus the Sultan. <laughs> Bring Hell, that on, baby! That yeah. <laughs> was just like, like, oh, yeah, the NWO's on the other channel. Damn it. This isn't that show. You do feel the uh, you do feel sad for the guys doing two hundred five live. Well, you do, you you don't because they're they're living a dream and they're working for WWE and they're all very talented people who have excellent matches and more power to them and big love to them. But you feel for them because they're recording that show typically at the end of SmackDown, where everybody's just tired. You know, you've seen the big star, you've seen like the the main event stars in action and then they put the cruiserweights on which again mm-hmm. no disrespect they're not the main event guys so the sure. crowd you can just i that show if that if they filmed 205 live in front of full cell university whoa it'd be a hell of a show absolutely oh man that'd be amazing i mean this is nothing new for the company back in i want to say like 97 98 they would keep shotgun after roll so you get done watching Austin and DX and The Undertaker, and now it's time for, I mean, no disrespect, but like Los Bariquas versus the Headbangers and uh, and maybe Scott Taylor taking on Recon of the Truth Commission. <laughs> it's, it's like, I know. How on earth could Steve Austin live up to that? I know. I mean, he was a hell of a table setter for the Truth Commission. you got to admit. <laughs> and that's all he ever was, as far as some people are concerned. Yeah, he he never made it past that point. He he, he peaked at a certain point, unfortunately <laughs> for him. It, it was all Sniper 316 after that. It says, I just ruined the night. <laughs> so, we begin the show, with, and they ain't screwing around this week. There's no opening, no cold opening, that is. Go right to ringside after showing this really shy-looking ring girl wearing Daisy Dukes and I think a long sleeve shirt, which is... Uh, it's not Themis, so I don't know who this is. It's not Themis or one of the Rosati. See, I was so. hoping you would know, because you seem to know all of them. I just know the one that's a congresswoman. That's about it. Okay. This one, this one, to my knowledge, has never held elected office, although I could be wrong. She could, like, she could have been the comptroller who beat Comptroller Atkins in the Springfield election, for all I know. That's a Simpsons joke. I didn't get it, but I'm sure there'll be people listening who did. You don't remember Comptroller Atkins? I don't remember. That was the best Simpsons episode ever. Well, I say that with, with plenty of hyperbole. That? Just Google that while I, Homer's while nemesis. I talk. Homer's <laughs> Comptroller Atkins? I'm going to have to look this up now. I'm going to go, ah, oh, it's them. Okay. So we go to ringside where Bobby Heenan's wearing that wonderfully melon-colored jacket that uh, he wore last week, which I, I hope is for sale somewhere because I will buy it. Vince at one point talks about Adam Bomb making his Raw debut, but he doesn't call him Adam Bomb. He refers to him as Mr. Bomb, 
like Mr. Peanut, Mr. Coffee, and so forth. And 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 Bobby Heenan pulls out a pair of glasses, puts them on, because he's anticipating double vision for Doink's match. Because Bobby Heenan is adhering to the idea that it is not two Doinks, it is merely an illusion, because Bobby Heenan is a tremendous heel. Have you found Comptroller Atkins yet? Yes, I have, yes. I know the one now. Lisa gets an A. <laughs> That's the one. Yes. Okay, I'm uh, with you now. The most random Simpsons character ever next to uh, either old Jewish guy or disco stew. Yeah, so so uh, Bobby Eaton put his glasses on because he thought double vision. Ha, 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 ha. Out comes mm-hmm. Doink. And then we're suddenly told that Lord Alfred Hayes like wants to talk to us right now. It's like, all right, Al, chill. Well, apparently the big sea monster from last week didn't devour him, but is now <laughs> but is now destroying downtown Manhattan. See continuity. Nice. It is Mr. Perfect versus Doink the Clown in a King of the Ring qualifying match. I have to say first, on last week's show, they said that it was going to be Shawn Michaels versus Crush in a qualifying match. But here's what happened. This might be the most convoluted qualifying scenario ever. On two occasions, Perfect faced Doink in a qualifying match. One ended in a time limit draw, the other in a double count out. So because neither man could win, they put Sean and Crush in a qualifying match against each other, which aired over this previous weekend. And that went to a double count out. So I said, all right, let's just go back to Perfect and Doink again. Because <laughs> apparently nobody could qualify for this prestigious tournament. What a load of nonsense. So this is the third time, although, although the first time on Raw, that Doink is going to face Mr. Perfect to, this, to try to figure out who gets the eighth spot in the tournament to face Mr. Hughes in the first round. And so when Doink comes out, he slides underneath the ring right from the very start, and which Savage gives us a hearty, what is this? <laughs> but this is, and this is where Lord Alfred Hayes suddenly demands to talk to Vince. Yes, once Doink's, once the sole of his boot disappears under the ring skirting, Vince tells us that Alfred's outside. What is it, Alfred? And Alfred tells us, Vince, you're not going to believe this. I saw who went under the ring. Wait, how? He's, he's outside the building. <laughs> exactly. Is there, a TV monitor, is there a TV monitor outside? But I don't know. But says, says, I saw who went under the ring, but guess who's standing beside me? Camera pans back to a two-shot with Doink next to him. Alfred's trying to figure out how he could be in two places at once. And Doink says, I'm not standing out here. It's an illusion. And then he steals Alfred's uh, corsage boutonniere thing that he has on his jacket and then squirts him in the face with his own squirt flower and then runs off, which I thought was hilarious. I thought this was brilliant because uh, then a moment after this, Doink then comes out from under the ring. And I don't think the twist here is that Doink can teleport. I think the twist mm-hmm. here is that Lord Alfred Hayes lives under the ring. That's what That's it is. Possible. He just lives on. Like we never, like everybody just assumes that he's outside the Manhattan Center. He lives under the ring. Yeah, yeah Lord Alfred Hayes. How he knows up. who's coming out all the time. Yeah, Alfred, Alfred was crashing at Hornswoggles for the weekend. <laughs> he was. He, he had a parking fine to pay at people's at little people's court. <laughs> but see, when Zoin came back out from under the ring, he had Alfred's little corsage. He was holding it up in his hand just to demonstrate that. Yeah, I, I just came back from there. Exactly. So Alfred Hayes is under the ring. Could be. <laughs> I'm calling yeah, it. I'm, he lives there. I'm not, I'm not going to rule it out. It could very well be what happened. <laughs> so the match begins. Perfect versus Doink. And I, I got to say, this was one hell of a match. 
this was this psychology personified two old school workers, two second generation wrestlers. Not the Doink's dad. Yes, Doink's dad was a wrestler. Tough Tony Bourne. And the match is all about Perfect, Perfect working over Doink's leg while Doink works over Perfect's arm. And it's just, they keep at it the entire way. In terms of just focusing on the body part that they've worn down, trying to get, trying to get each other to either give up or just, or just neutralize them. So the match begins, Doink attacks right at the bell, starts choking Perfect with his own towel, and then Perfect comes back, starts working over Doink's leg, and gets one of my favorite underrated moves, which I'm sad was not part of our survey last week, the wrapped, le- the wrapped leg knee breaker. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that on our list. You're right. That, that, that's where you take the guys while, while they're in a supine position. You basically grapevine your legs around one of their legs and jump and hit a double knee drop and basically snap their leg like a twig. Good underrated move. Out on the floor, Doink, Doink selling his knee. Uh, but, that, but then he smashes Perfect's head into the ring post, and Vince tells us, what a maneuver. He pushed the guy's head into the <laughs> ring post. What a maneuver! It is just Vince McMahon's default. I often think that Vince McMahon gets distracted by other stuff, and to kind of bring him back into the, into the night, he'll just shout, what a maneuver! Whatever's just happened. What's he had in front, like a WBF magazine at the table? I think that's probably what he had. Yeah, little flick through, forgot where he was. And then he's like, oh, I better just... What a maneuver! I'm back. Okay. Maybe that's why he gets so mad at Bobby Heenan's TV being at ringside, because it, it, it's like leading him into temptation. It's like being an alcoholic and someone drinking right in front of you. It's like, no, dude, don't do that. Come on now. <laughs> but you, you were absolutely right what you said at the beginning of this. This match was brilliant. In fact, I just... It feels like it was far more epic that it deserved to be because it was Mr. Perfect and Doink the Clown. But then you forget, like, and you brought this up wonderfully. Like, this is like Osborne. Like, this is, this is, this is a, a, a strong worker. You forget. And I guess I wasn't expecting these guys to gel as well as they did. But wow, they really gelled. It was, it was a competitive match where each man was demonstrating their motivation Perfect was basically sadistically torturing, torturing Doink, working over the knee in the fashion that he did. And I got to say, uh, <laughs> well, there's this great part coming up here where Savage, Savage, good, he gets out of the call in the match and talks about Alfred being outside and is not sure what, what the relevance of that is. But then he, but then he says himself, "We need to concentrate on the match." It's like, you brought Alfred up. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that over there. Stop looking over there. Look at the match. <laughs> what we need is two Randy Savages on commentary. Oh, no, we, cl- we don't. No, yes, we, we don't. God, I get a head cold. <laughs> we had Savage arguing with himself and then and then agreeing to disagree. Jeez, for, that would just be... For- those little moments where Vincent Mann is interviewing somebody in the ring, we get a brief glimpse of what it would be like if Macho Man was lead announcer. And it's <laughs> terrifying. Would you set up for Savage and Jay Lethal on commentary? <laughs> That'll be as close as we can get it in 2018. Um, well, actually, we, well, actually, we could because... Uh, oh, well, we know, of course, Sav- we can't because Savage is very much not with us. Um, Unfortunately. Jay Lethal and Jay Lethal. <laughs> okay, so Jay Lethal and the guy played the Nacho Man in 96. There you go. That'll do. Well, if we can find if we can find Bone Saw McGraw, 
<rire> Bone sauce ready. Bone sauce ready. <rire> C'est le... There's our Stan Lee reference. We worked it in. There you go. Thank you, Stan Lee, for giving us Bone Saw McGraw. <laughs> so we get this wonderful moment where Doink is, has taken over. He's working over Kurt Hennig's arm. And Doink, is, is, Doink sells the knee the entire match. Like, even when he throws a kick, he stumbles back while holding his, his injured leg. Like, like, he is just, he's committed to selling this injury throughout. And that's something you never see. It's like... And I'm not I'm not picking on Dean Ambrose because I'm a fan of his, but well, when someone like AJ Styles or whoever would would work it over his knee during a match, later on during the comeback, oh his knee's fine all of a sudden. He's doing dives, he's coming off the top rope. What knee injury? This was refreshing to see. So he he takes perfect down. Dwayne goes to the other side of the ring and collapses a little bit next to the ropes while holding while kind of like rubbing his leg a little bit, trying to get back and get some feeling back. He looks into the camera and starts laughing. And then he sneers. It's just like so. That was perfectly brilliant. Creepy. That was just lovely timing. The camera was in the right place at the right time, and Doink was just just pure evil. I love it. I love it. What What's the opposite of chewing the scenery? Like when you're complimenting an actor for just letting your when theatricality take over. When you're not chewing over. the scenery, you are. Yeah, I I, I guess you're adding. No, you can't be adding. Vomiting up the scenery, which is the opposite of chewing the scenery, or, like, or, you're, or you're or you're adding to the scenery. I guess is chewing the scenery always a, a, a derogatory term? I think it is. I think it means like overacting, like you're going too far. Yeah. So he finds he finds the right balance, Matt Bourne, in terms of you know, getting his character over while still working expertly between the ropes. So we get a funny moment where perfectly he, he regains control, swings back his way. He takes Doink down and does that move where he puts one foot on the on the very top part of Doink's thigh while keeping Doink's leg perfectly straight. And then he jumps back to basically stretch the hamstring. And then Vince yells, Ah, yeah, snap it back! <laughs> Vince was very angry with Doink the Clown. What a sadist. What a friggin' sadist. Vince loved the violence. And the perfect locks... Speaking of sadism, Perfect locks on this very complex figure four variant, which isn't exactly a figure four leg lock. I think if I if know my fire pro right, I think it was called a jail hold on the game. Where basically you, it's almost like a kneeling Indian death lock. Like, like I, I I know they're working and they're taking care of each other, but God, that had to suck to be in that move for it. There's no the way that that could not hurt even a little bit. Yeah, you're hyperextending one knee while compressing the ankle on the other leg at the same time. And I think when Matt Bourne yelled out, I think he was really in pain for a little bit there. They both did stuff to each other that, that really looked quite painful. And, and there was a great sort of sadism moment here. I know I've been saying sadism a lot. I'm going to that well. But when Dwight would fall back while he was in the hole and, and, and into a pinning combination, where if you would count the two, Dwight would sit up. Perfect, and the perfect would smack him across the face every time he sat up. Doink would fall back. One, two, sit up, smack. Then the third time he sits up, but Doink's too smart, so he just pokes Perfect in the eyes before he could smack him. I love that bit. That was so fun. <laughs> it's just, you're watching two pros here. You I think it was when are. that happened, I went, do you know what? This is far better than I thought it would ever be. This was a great match. It was brilliant. So, we go to commercial. 
we come back and Perfect is now in like angry baby face mode where he's tearing Doink apart. Doink gets clotheslined up and over the ropes and he goes flying. And while Perfect is tied up watching Doink on, well, Doink falls out on the commentary table side of the ring. And then unbeknownst to the referee and Perfect outruns a second Doink and slides under the ropes. I mean under the ring, I should say. So he goes under the ring. Perfect and the referee don't know he's there. Then the, the original Doink, Matt Bourne, is laying on the floor. He gets pulled under the ring by an unseen force. It could be Cthulhu. It could be Undertaker. We don't know. <laughs> and then and ten, about 10 seconds pass, and out crawls Doink. But we can't tell which Doink it is at first. But we do. We know pretty well that it's not the original Doink. It's the much fresher imposter that's coming out. Vince had the moment when he realized that when they got into the ring because Vince started wailing about the fact that Doink still had his face paint on. So yes, Vince Doink clocked it. Yes, Doink, quote-unquote Doink, takes over, hits this beautiful running monkey flip at one point. He's just full of life. His Both legs are working on him. And it, I can tell it was definitely Steve Kern Skinner because of the way he laughed. <laughs> yeah, this was def- I did look this up. This was definitely Steve Kern. Yes. So he's taken over, and Perfect has his... I mean, Bobby Heenan has this great explanation for why his why his face paint came back all of a sudden. He's wearing resealable makeup. A little bit comes off, but then a little bit comes back. <laughs> Bobby was good in this match, actually. Bobby Bobby was a wonderful apologist for the bizarreness of Doink. <laughs> well, but he's so good at thinking on his feet, Bobby. He really is. Mm. He's a pro, absolute pro. So... Doink, quote-unquote, is taken over. He sends Perfect in the ropes, but makes the mistake of every Kurt Hennig opponent since the beginning of time. Ducks the head, and now you're going to see a Perfect Plex. Hooks the head, Perfect Plex, one, two, three. And Heenan's all of a sudden beside himself, yelling, he beat the wrong Doink! He beat the wrong Doink! Suddenly, yeah, he's like, oh, wait, no, there is two, and it's the wrong one. I mean, I I mean, I mean, say he beat the wrong Doink, I mean, he was wrong from the beat Doink. Which might be the greatest sentence that any commentator has ever uttered, ever. He was wrong from the beat, doink. It was wrong. It just feels like you could remix that. Wrong from the beat, doink. <laughs> it does. It has a rhythm to it. So then Matt Bourne comes back out. Him and Steve Kern start beating Perfect up a bit. Crush runs out to make the save. Runs both clowns off. And Crush hits a whopper of a clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> that barely hits the right bit of Doink, and Doink rolls the wrong way, but Crush still sells it like he nailed it perfectly. <laughs> Just this whopper of a bad clothesline. Well, you always sell it like you hit it. Yeah, that, yeah! That was... Look what I did! What did you do? I don't know! But he's down! <laughs> well, if you do it fast enough, nobody will notice. Just act like you hit it. <laughs> <laughs> And Savage makes sure to tell us, even Jack Tony can't mess this one up. It's like, mess what up? What's, what's your, like, he's just taking pot shots at Tony for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, little, little dig on, uh, on Jack Tony there. Well, what event was it? I think it was the 92 Rumble, the Hulk Hogan started bashing Jack Tony in his pre-match promo. It's like, crooked politicians like Jack Tony. It's like, what did Tony do? Tony got a lot of heat. Tony was was never one to get too involved, but he would just he, once he made a decision, it was final. He was very he was kind of the first 
But then a lot of the decisions he made were wrong. A lot of the decisions he made were in favor of the bad guy. And it was kind of like an, a prototype Mr. McMahon was Jack Tony. I can't imagine him doing the power walk, though. No, neither could I. I mean, and it, it, was, it was so little that he did, but it was just <laughs> nobody liked him. It is my decision that Randy Savage will join the Jack Tunney Kiss My Ass Club on the next week episode of Monday Night Raw. Furthermore, <laughs> I yep. love that. I love that. Oh, why don't the WWE talk about Jack Tunney very much anymore? I feel like that when Jack Tunney passed away, there wasn't much said. There wasn't much done. Well, if you believe some of the stories, Tunney was a. Uh... Not very well regarded by a lot of people in the company. Oh, that is a shame. Well, the, I think it was Kevin Nash in one of those timeline videos talked about how Tony was was actually a crook oh. in real life. That he, um, I'm just based on what Kevin Nash says here. So if this is incorrect. I'm just I'm just quoting what one per, one person on the inside had to say that basically the payoffs were always bad in Toronto. Yet Tony always had like a new car. That basically he, he took a little more money than maybe he was supposed to, and when he left in '95, it was kind of a uh, yeah he needed to go. Ah, uh... it's my I think I read before that when he passed away, there was not one WWE representative at his funeral. Oh, what a shame! So but if he maybe... was a bad if he was a bad one, then he should have been the heel then. He kind of was. It should have been Austin versus Tony in '98. <laughs> <laughs> he was very old, though. He was very old. <laughs> Can you imagine Tony refereeing the Over the Edge match of Austin and Dude Love? Tony just Austin... getting a steel chair smack in the face. <laughs> or Austin knocking Tony off the cage at St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I'd be worried because he's so old. Ah, he could sell it. He's Jack Tony. <laughs> He's, I'm sure he, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he worked out just as much as Vince did. I'd love to see him ripped to shreds. Shane, Shane makes him chase a chicken. Actually, that's what I want to see now. Is Jack Tiny chasing a chicken around in the snow? You want me to chase a freaking chicken? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so please. That'd be amazing. So we go to the King of the Ring report. The bracket is, is of course, now complete. Mean Gene tells us about the opening round, which would be Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon, Mr. Perk versus Mr. Hughes, Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Bam Bam Bigelow, and Tatanka versus the narcissist Lex Luger. Also, they reaffirmed the Hogan versus Yoko match, which gives us a, a different graphic of Hogan for the, for the still photo, and he's much more muscular in this one. The previous photo looked Looked like a Hogan imposter wearing the yellow tank top. It was very skinny, but now he's he's a little bit more uh, a little bit beefier, shall we say? The picture he did, and then when they cut to Hogan and Jimmy Hart, like Hulk was really desperate to look muscly, like he was really yeah. tensing. Yes, we we get a Hulk Hogan insert promo here with him and Jimmy Hart. Hogan tells us it's great to be back in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Yeah, whatever, mate. He tells us the Hulkamania is stronger than ever because he got (laughs) me to lay down for him. 
Whatever, well, mate. Because he got Luda to lay down for him. And well, actually, he didn't mention that part. Did he mention the bit that he's got a trinket around his waist? Uh, no, he's, he's, he seemed to forget that part. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, he's, he's talking about... <laughs> he puts over Jimmy Hart really strong in this promo, which is weird because he's not long for the company either. It's a wonder why, and as I was watching this and I was listening to Jimmy Hart, why they didn't make Jimmy Hart more of a presence on WWF television in the absence of Hulk Hogan. A bit like like a Paul Heyman. Heyman-esque advocate. Mm. <laughs> My client Hulk Hogan, daddy! I mean, because I would have preferred that. Seeing Jimmy Hart... Do you know what they... See, look, this is what they could have done. Just, I'm just... I swear to God, this is what they could have done, guys. I swear to God, on my life, this is what they could have done. Um, you could have had Jimmy Hart mixing up with Yoko, and you could have had Yokozuna bonsai drop Jimmy Hart. That would have sold the King of the Ring better than Yokozuna had... fighting, don't say it. <laughs> Tone. Well, no, no, I was going to say that... Uh... You would have turned Yoko babyface if you hadn't squashed Jimmy Hart. <laughs> Do you reckon? Wouldn't you have cheered? Wouldn't you have cheered? Not if he would. Actually, yeah, I guess in New York, maybe that's uh, that's a bit of a risk, isn't it? Well, yeah, and plus having... Can Jimmy Hart even take that move for, for, even even safely? Not the Dan Dubiel version, but the safe version? Mm, fair. But still, it would have been... I. You could have done something with them, as to to build to, to King of the Ring. You could you could have done, but you didn't. You just had Yokozuna and Jim flipping Duggan battering each. Well, not even battering each other. Duggan battering Yoko. Are you saying Duggan battering Yoko is not a good way to build the show? It's absolutely not. Now you shut your whore mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you wait till next. That caught me off guard. <laughs> I think I caught myself off guard too. I was about, to, I was about to say thank you to Jesse Marie Roberts, who is the classic Raw reviews f- favorite Foxy boxer. <laughs> <laughs> Who said every time Tom Campbell rants about Jim Duggan, I just want to give him a hug and reassure him it's going to be okay. I was going to make some comments about that, but then <laughs> you just told me to shut my filthy whore mouth. I didn't say I... filthy. <laughs> I never said filthy. Don't put... Don't, oh, don't... sorry. Just my don't, my clean don't whore put mouth. Words... Don't put words in my unwhore mouth. <laughs> sorry, my, my, my whore mouth is clean. Toothbrush and everything. <laughs> I, I believe you. <laughs> but anyway, it's nice to see Hulk Hogan on Raw. <laughs> yes, sure, yes, it is. You... I'm sure this is the start of a great trend where <laughs> he will be on Raw loads now. Yes, I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll be more happy to see him after he calls Yokozuna. And I'm quoting here, a big fat wad of sushi. <laughs> I mean, we Can all you... know that Yokozuna is Samoan. But I like how everybody what? is completely bought in. <laughs> Can you to him imagine? being a Japanese sensation? Can you imagine any 
Can you imagine someone making a curry joke about Jinder Mahal today? Even the supposed baby face. Can you imagine how that would go over? Didn't Jinder Mahal make a Japanese well, yeah, about, joke about <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura? Yeah. Well, at least I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to defend that, but at least he was the heel. At least he was the heel. Yeah. I mean, if Hogan's going to call Yoko a big fat wad of sushi, it's like, okay, well, what if he was a baby face? All of a sudden, you know, he's a. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it's just. So, so what's Bret Hart a big, a big skinny wad of poutine? Like, what is he? <laughs> I like Hulk Hogan's new thing now is he just names all his opponents after food from their native land. Exactly. Or, or I should say, kayfabe native land. Their kayfabe native land. What's the uh, what's the what's the the dish of the month at parts unknown? Um, it's gonna be whatever they put in fast food burgers, isn't it? You're probably the tainted Jack in the Box food to kill people in '93. <laughs> it's gonna no, be... that actually happened. Oh, did it really? Oh uh, yeah, Jack in the Box had a bad name for a while after that. Oh jeez. I tell you what. I tell you what it'll be. I tell you what it'll be. It'll be that or the food of the month of parts unknown. If you ever go to a a late night chippy in the UK where they've got those kebab skewers that look like big elephant legs, and the only only when you have had like your body weight in alcohol do these taste okay. If you if you eat one sober, you you're weird. What are them? <laughs> you're just pondering that now, are you? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to pl- I'm trying to ponder because my next note says Hogan now has five demandments. I'm trying to remember what the other two were. Pray. He added to. Uh, drink. Say prayers. Try and say your prayers, eat your vitamins. I think I think it was believe in yourself and believe in Hulkamania. That was, that it. was it. Those were the new ones, weren't they? Believe in yourself and believe in Hulkamania. And this and the sixth one was thou shalt not, thou shalt not make graven images of trinkets. <laughs> nice, I like that. <laughs> it means you make sure to call Dayton the heart of America. Which when we get to the King of the Ring uh, watch along, I'll be noting that quite a bit because. Apparently Dayton, Ohio was a B town or a C town, and they wanted to say Heart of America more than Dayton, Ohio, out of like inferiority complex. Why is it called the Heart of America? Is it is it like because where it's placed in America it's like where the heart well, would be or Well, America has a big part called the Heartland, which is like the non city sort of well like you know, like the the blue collar areas. It's a metaphor for both the middle of the country being so blue collar and having having the industry and the and, and, and the farmlands and all that, and plus the men who work there are and the men who work there are the heart of America because they keep America running. Right. So it's like a it's like a, it's like a dual meaning. So I I guess by default, some place in Louisiana would be like the anus of America, or or Mississippi or Texas or somewhere down there. And I guess uh, I mean, Montana's the scalp of America. Um, what body part of America do you live in? Tweet at well, JRH Writing or at Tom <laughs> Campbell. I'm New Jersey, so I'm either the armpit or the shoulder. I have no idea. I think you should be the shoulder of America. I should be because, well, I don't know why. Anyway, moving on. Every- 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Every time, every time they say Heart of America, though, and this might just be a Tom thing, um, I follow... Uh, I've subs- I'm subscribed, rather, to Film Cow on YouTube. Those are the people that made Charlie the Unicorn in the past. And Charlie! That's yes. it! That's it! And on the YouTube channel, uh, the guys who, who made it did a, a short series called Detective Heart of America. And it's just a crudely put-together series where the, where the main character is a porcelain statue of an eagle called Detective Heart of America. And he solved America-based crimes and saved the world. And every time they say Heart of America, in my head, the theme tune, Detective Heart of America is saving the day. <laughs> That's all I hear every time. <laughs> And then, I want, and then I have to stop the show and I have to go and watch the feature-length movie they did, which is 90 minutes long. If you sing that during the watch-along, I'm going to play Hacksaw Jim Duggan's theme, The Counter. Detective Heart of America is answering oh, the phone. Da, <laughs> stop da, it. Da, da, Who's the da. third man in our watch-along? Oh, we still haven't <gasps> confirmed that yet because we haven't nailed down the time. Oh, we're recording this. So. We know who it is, but you don't know it yep. yet. Don't worry, there is still a third man. It is Tony Schiavone. Will you quit misleading the people? <laughs> it is definitely, definitely going to be Tony Schiavone. This is not the goddamn WCW hotline. Stop trying to mislead right, the public. it's not. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting. They are together one man. We book them as one man. Anyway, Money Incorporated versus Mike Bell and Tony DeVito. The jobber team is Team ECW 2000 because both of them were there late in the year. They certainly were, and they looked like they—they—they they, they were the a jobber tag team that looked like they were dressed the same. They'd had—they made the same notes on outfit, which I was very happy to see. Yes, they were slightly bit coordinated there, but we get a great bit before the match. Ted DiBiase is willing to pay one hundred dollars to any fan who will come into the ring and sh- and shine both his and IRS's shoes. All right, it's easy hundred bucks. So they bring the skinny kid with the ponytail in, who Bobby Heenan mistakes for a female. 
Savage Savage has the kid to take the money and burn it. Really? Let's ponder that for a second here. Yeah, why why burn it? Because it would it would really show Ted DiBiase if he took you know his his hundred dollars that he really needs and just set it on fire. That's that just <laughs> Savage didn't like, think that through. No, unfortunately, like I get what he was kind of going for, but it, it, was, it was the opposite of what he, of what was intended. So the kid gets down with a towel, shines Diviasi's uh, the front of the front of his boots, shines the front of IRS's boots. Diviasi hands over a hundred dollars, but then IRS talks about taxes and says he's going to take taxes out and gives the kid thirty dollars. I thought that was pretty funny. And you know what? Vince was furious with this. He was disgusted the fact that the kid had only been given $30 to shine some shoes. $30 to shine some shoes? That's still good money. I can't imagine Vince having a problem with the government. Can you? No. This certainly isn't Vince's, <laughs> Vince's problems with the government bubbling over. Wait till my wife gets in there one day. You'll see. We'll fix everything. It also said to me Vince is very unaware of of money values if he's disgusted that, that someone only got $30 to shine shoes. Oh, yeah, but he was promised 100 and, like, you know. On a similar uh, note, do you know that Vincent Mann doesn't know what a burrito is? I've heard that story. Where it was, um, where they were, they were talking out a storyline between Eddie Guerrero and the big show. And part of it was Eddie Guerrero would, um, he would he would give Big Show a burrito. Was it poisoned or it was was it poisoned or had I had laxatives in it, didn't it? So yeah, he'd yes, do all the, he'd do all the pooing. Um, and Vincent Mann was like, "Well, you can't do this because nobody knows what a burrito is." And his people went, "Yeah, they do, Vince. Vince, you have one every day." And he had a burrito every day, according to this story. But Vince just. Thought it was just like, it's just some meat in some bread. But like, he <laughs> ate a burrito every day, but didn't know it was called a burrito. There you go. And, and, well, it's like the story about how he didn't know, uh, or he, he had the Paul Burchill pirate gimmick scrap because he, he never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Nobody knows what Pirates of the Caribbean is. Who the hell's Johnny Depp? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, that would just infuriate me. Like, come on. No, it's a big thing. Please let us. Okay, that's fine. Let's call the pay a few great balls of fire. And then you quit your job there and go, and go do something more dignifying like Rob Banks or something. <laughs> and by the way, that kid who, who, who did the shoe shining had the best non-WWE wrestling shirt I'd seen to this point on the show. It is a Weekend with the Superstar shirt that has the Road Warriors and Sid listed on the back of it. And it is not a WWF shirt whatsoever. So where's it from then? It must have been some like maybe an independent convention when LOD was out of WWE. Maybe it, it, it's got a very narrow time frame that it could have been in. Maybe like earlier that fall. Was so was that um, them sort of doubling down on the mystique of it being not a plant by sticking me in an independent wrestling shirt? He probably just brought it from home and they just pointed at him like said, "Hey kid, get in here." It just it surprised me if they use a, a real, like legit random pick to do that sort of thing. Well, I mean, he, he he didn't act like he was appalled when he got ripped out of the money, so he was probably just a uh, just some kid that was happy to do it when he was selected. Like Nicholas was. 
Yes. Uh, ignore the fact that his father was the referee. Ignore anyway. that. That's just that's just fluke. Maybe the kid was was Bray Wyatt, and he's shining, shining his dad's shoes. Ah, <laughs> uh, do you know what? That would mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and double check because <laughs> that could have very well been Bray Wyatt. <laughs> Dad offended me a shoe shine boy, but that wasn't in my destiny. <laughs> I like it when you do impressions of wrestlers. I think we should incorporate this somehow in a new thing we do. I don't know what yet. <laughs> Manhattan, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, match finally begins and Peeney gets on Tony DeVito with a great inside line that no fan watching at the time would have gotten when he said, the only thing worse than having a name like DeVita would be if your first name was Basil. Yeah, that uh, I must admit, that was lost on me. Uh, long-time company executive Basil DeVito. He was like the vice president of WWE for a while. Right. Not vice, not vice president. What the hell was he? I, I got to Google this now for accuracy's sake. And that's why Vince was like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about, Bobby? Yeah, who, who the hell's Basil DeVito? Basil DeVito. He was on that uh, History of WrestleMania DVD. I know that. What a strange name, Basil DeVito. It is a great name. Isn't <laughs> I, t- I started Googling Basil DeVito, and the second answer along was <laughs> Basil Deviled Eggs. <laughs> also- I don't know why that made me laugh. I think I'm, I think I'm high tonight, but I don't do any weed. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow I think I'm high tonight. You know why you should love this man? Be- because he was the he he was the uh hang on. Damn Google. There, there it is. He was the president of the XFL seventeen years ago. Oh wow. What foreshadowing Yes, and uh This man he- ran the best American football franchise that started with the letter X. He was, he was he was also the senior advisor of business strategy at War Wrestling Entertainment Incorporated since oh 2003. Oh my days. Where's my so, football? Yes. Apparently, this is accurate. He was also the director of Harlem Globetrotters International. Oh, I, get away. I now envy this man. I've met the Harlem Never. Globetrotters. Well, I've met some of them. They're the best, aren't they? They're brilliant. I got to play basketball with them a few years ago. We did like a they little spent... video when they were in Newcastle. And they're lovely. Did they, spend... did they spin a ball on your head? They did. And they taught me how to spin a ball on my finger. And can you still do that? No, couldn't do it then. <laughs> they had to really help me. I hope Haxel, I hope when Haxel wrestles next week, his entrance music is Sweet Georgia Brown just to piss you off. Oh, Is he on next week? Yes, he is. Oh, great. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's, it's his last match on Raw before he leaves, so don't worry. Is it? Yes, but... Oh, that's so sad. But I'm going to make it count. <laughs> I'll be nice so, about Duggan next week. If it's his last week, I will be nice about Duggan. And I, I won't poke the bear, I promise. So, we get some loud Irwin chants from a very irate New York crowd because... Irish just ripped off Nicholas Sr. And uh, Vince plugs an eight-man tag for King of the Ring. Money, Inc. and the Head Shrinkers versus the Steiner Brothers and the Smoking Guns. And all I could think when I heard that is we were years ahead of Big Papa Pump calling calling Rikishi a fat ass. <laughs> fat ass! Can you imagine Big Papa Pump versus Bray Wyatt? 
Oh gosh! <laughs> just the promos. God, that, I just I'd live I'd live for the promos between those two. <laughs> Bray, why are you coming out here in the woods with your chair and stuff? You guys have a land and rock at the largest arms in the world. <laughs> and then Bray calls him Ham Cube. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This this was a really the, the reason that we are diverting so much is because let's be honest, Justin, this was a really boring match. Yeah, this went on for this. This was a way too long squash. It was it was any time to like four minutes apparently, but it was like maybe too too long. God, it was a long four minutes. And DiBiase even pulled the video up a few, a few times before the pinfall just to keep the match going. Although it was uh. It should be noted that during this match, the one, two, three kid was named officially. The, 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 the Vince identified him as such. As the one, two, three kid. Yes. So Sean Waltman has a, has his moniker going forward. Congratulations, and we'll hear more about him in a little bit. So Money Inc. wins. IRS finishes off DeVito with the write-off. Just a basic squash and a way too long one. Up next, we have that Mania ad. I wrote in my notes F the mania ad, although I wrote the three letters after F. <laughs> I hate it. It's just cringy. It's just it's 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 a cute hyperactivity. Shut up, Tom. Shut up, Todd Pettingill. Just <laughs> brush your teeth it's... first. Shut up, Todd. All I could think is, yeah, Rob Bartlett was not good as a commentator, but Vince didn't get what his kind of humor was. And you watch his ad and you think, this is what Vince finds funny. Oh, this is sped Vince's up, level completely. Sped up video, hyperactive voices. That's not Rob Bartlett's comedy. Rob Bartlett is political satire. So far removed. But we can yes. talk about that with Rob Bartlett when he's the third man on King of the Ring. I, I, wanted, I want to commentate a show with Rob Bartlett now. You have no idea how much I want to do this. You can when we do the watch along with King of the Ring with Rob okay. Bartlett. You play Savage where you act passive aggressive toward him, and I'll act like Vincent and act like I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, kind of, sort of. <laughs> it's definitely Rob Bartlett then. Confirmed. Confirmed for Brawl. Rob Bartlett. You think this Tatanka is a big fan of Elizabeth Warren? Oh, uh, don't know who that is. I'm going to play along. Uh, it's not Rob it's Bartlett, by the way. <laughs> Doing the yeah, King so of the we... Ring watch along with us. It's not Rob Bartlett. It is, in fact, Tatanka. <laughs> Will you stop that, please? <laughs> <laughs> it is Tatanka. You're going to get in trouble one of these days. <laughs> one day, right to the moon. Um, <laughs> to, the, to, to the moon, Tom. All the way to the moon. It's... um. Crush versus Glorious Bobby Who next. His nickname is not actually Glorious. I didn't no, point no. out. It's just, but it's, it's the just fact Bobby that Hill. when Howard Finkel went, Bobby Who, it did sound like Bobby Who. Yes, Fink, Fink sounds a lot like Christy Hemia, I've noticed. <laughs> so I'm now calling him Glorious Bobby Who, who is the enhancement <laughs> talent who is here to enhance the talent of Crush in this next match. Bobby Who has has quite a look to him, I gotta say. He, he looks he like has a, your dad's mate just went off to wrestle. <laughs> he's he's got a wispy mustache. He, 
all he was missing to go along with his slight, with his like medium like blonde hair. If he had like a big pair of glasses on, he looked a lot like Jeffrey Dahmer. That's a good shout, actually. Yes, <laughs> he looked, he looked, looked a lot like Dahmer, and he was wearing this blue singlet with black trunks over top of the singlet. And <laughs> I always hated that look of the trunks over the over the singlet because it was like this like you're wearing a diaper. It's just not a good look at all. Like this is like if you were creating your buddy on a video game just so you could beat him up and laugh at him, like saying, "Hey, look what I'm doing to you." This is what you would dress him like. You would dress him like Bobby Who. Yes, no disrespect to the Mister Who, 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 Who. I can't find anything <laughs> about him. Like I've looked him up online, and I can't find anything else about Bobby Who other than the fact that he wrestled as an enhancement talent. For about five or six episodes of Raw. Yeah, and, and Hina made sure to laugh at his last name a little bit by noting that his mother must have gotten on with some band members back in the 70s. Oh, yeah, I like that joke. That was good fun, that. Yeah, we need, we need to dig Keith Moon up and put him on a roll. And then, then smash Savage everything. got really offended. Like, you talking about another guy's mother? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why, are you, why are you picking up on that, Savage? Calm down, mate. Yeah. Can you imagine Savage doing a, telling a your mama joke? Your mama's so fat! Her thighs <laughs> are in different postcodes! Yes. Your mama's ass is so big it's got its own fire escape! <laughs> Randy Savage doing a stand-up tour of your mama jokes is sadly <laughs> one of the things he was going to do before he died. I, I'd rather see Savage do Gallagher's routine with the Sledgematic. Oh, that would be surreal and wonderful. You take an ordinary apple, you put it between the patent pot and the, and the, the patent pans, you put it up on the thing, then you get the thing that's not a slicer, not a dicer, not a chopper and a hopper. What in the hill could it possibly be? <laughs> Savage has on the striped green shirt with the suspenders and the bus driver hat on top of his head. Oh, wow. This is a strong look for Savage. Up there with Bonesaw. Savager. <laughs> Savager! Da, 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 da. <laughs> That's more, way more entertaining than this match. It was just another daft enhancement match. Just a rubbish, crush looked moderate, bit clumsy, but powerful. He, he got this scary looking delayed suplex where who couldn't even get vertical for it. So he was kind of like just hanging there in suspended animation. His legs kind of dangling over like he was caught in a tree somehow. You very rarely like see it. a suplex look that wobbly, where like the feet yeah. are just all over the place. A delayed suplex at that. So we had to like wait with our breath held that Bobby Who was somehow going to live. Maybe his, maybe his haircut made him more aerodynamic. <laughs> it worked for Chris Sprouls. It can work for Crush and Bobby Who. <laughs> the Who belly push. Oh, we were close to a who belly push a few times. It would have enhanced the match. <laughs> yes. Crush gets a press slam, cranium crunch. Kind of a lifeless squash. Get the plug for All-American Wrestling. And the match for this week is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Bob Backlund. Oh, and we're going to hear from Bam Bam in a bit. Yes, yes, we will at the very end of the show. The very, very end of the show. At this point, Hina talks about his golf game because on, on All-American this week, him and Gene are going to be at the Bill Freilich um, Golf Tournament. 
Freilich being the former NFL player who was in the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal and was part of the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge a couple months after this. Uh, so he brags about his golf game a little bit. Then Savage gets up and oddly menaces him. Like he's going to fight Bobby Heenan for lying about his golf game. Yeah, Savage is getting rattled by weird things tonight. Yeah, it's, uh, your mama jokes, golf games, ain't got to put up with any of that. Very odd. Speaking of speaking of odd, Savage gets off a great line at the start of this bit when Vince McMahon interviews Razor Ramon. And Razor, of course, is a, a bit a, a bit pride her after losing to the one two three kid last week, or in this case, earlier in the night since it was taped the same night. Savage makes sure to tell us, and I'm quoting here, "I'm the Macho Man. He's a loser." <laughs> I don't know if I love Savage commentary or if I hate it. I, I can't tell. I'm on the fence about it. It's 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 clear that you it's the one thing you never want to be as a commentator is is bland. Like mm-hmm. we always know that Savage is there. Yes, we do. He he's never far off from making a rather random observation. So Razor in the midst of his you know, trying to salvage his pride promo here. Make sure to call Kid a cockroach. Just appropriate everything from Scarface at this point. I think he says it a couple of times, doesn't he? He says cockroach a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a great movie. It's worth quoting. Definitely. All he, all he needed was Michelle Pfeiffer to manage him. And, and, and to survive a chainsaw attack while handcuffed to, to the shower rod. And do a promo at the table just full of cocaine. Well, that would have been way too... Would that be on the nose or up the nose? Up the nose, on the nose, all over the nose, <laughs> all around the mouth. <laughs> well, I mean, that's why he was called Razor, because he used a razor to cut Coke. Is that what it was? I genuinely yeah. never never thought to ask. But that that's does make was... sense. As, as a kid, I was always like Boxer Razor Ruddick. I'm like, okay, so he's like, he's like a fighter. Like, I, I didn't get the Scarface reference. You're like, oh, Razor, okay. There you go. I never knew that either. There you go. The more you know. It's the Scarface connection. So Vince talks about the record book, basically meaning that wins and losses do matter, which is a drastic change from today when it's 50-50 week to week. So Razor's still pissed off. He's so pissed off that he's wearing a slacks with no shirt, but all his gold chains around his neck because he's showing how rich he is because he's trying to maintain his dignity here. Why he's doing it shirtless is beyond me. However, he has an offer for the kid. He's going to offer him $2,500 just to get back into the ring with him. Which is weird because you'd have thought that the kid in kayfabe would have been chomping at the bit for another go in the ring with Razor a moment. Razor offering money. Here's some money. Come and wrestle me. But the same Shows time, the desperation you know, of Razor Ramon, doesn't it? But, but they're also showing how dangerous he is because in the squash match... He was—he wasn't taking him seriously. He was kind of just batting them around, like that's how. Because and for a while he was—he was kicking kids' ass because he's a bigger guy. He's—he's he's a good wrestler, tough guy. But he's gonna now that he's motivated to actually hurt this kid. It's a much different razor. He—he'd be facing this time around. So he offers him twenty-five hundred. Kids not chiming at the bit yet. We'll get to that point later. Because Razor has to up the ante because Kid turns down this initial offer. 
because admittedly he is a 20-year-old kid that's a little bit wide-eyed and scared, although he, he is a daredevil and takes a lot of risks. He knows that this could be a, a very bad proposition if he were to fight Razor while he's still steaming mad. So, something bad could come from this. Yeah, I get that. That so, makes sense. So Vince shifts subjects here to the King of the Ring because Razor's going to be facing Brett in the preliminary round, the quarterfinals. And out comes Brett in his wrestling gear, which I thought was kind of funny. No music, just walks out. And of course, he's the hitman, so the crowd's happy to see him. Brett gets the fans to chant one, two, three at Razor. And Brett makes, and Brett makes sure to tell the call kid a bottom guy, an underneath guy, while addressing him the Razor. Because apparently Brett don't see crap in him. Yeah, <laughs> like he Razor was really, doesn't. really harsh. <laughs> you figure Brett would be like, like more like 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 here's a kid maybe he's not that experienced but you know he's a he's scrappy like you lost to an underneath guy man you suck <laughs> just like kids probably thinking wow thanks yeah just normally Brett Hart's pretty good with putting people over and stuff but like he was very 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 much burying Sean Waltman in this bin <laughs> you lost to some Ichabod Crane looking low life <laughs> how can I take you seriously. And then, and then Brett ends the promo by going, "You're going to lose at the King of the Ring because you haven't done your homework." Right, Brett Hart. I'm sorry, the, it, it feels taboo, but Brett Hart is a rubbish promo in 1993. Oh come on, he's rubbish. Like there's no, like he just, there's no, there's no gloss to it. He just kind of comes out and goes, "Hi, you lost to him, and you're going to lose to me." Bye. Like there's no gloss. Well, Brett was Brett was demonstrating how easy it was to rile Razor up, and it worked because Razor was really pissed off to end the segment. He was showing that he's cool, calm, and collected, and Razor's very thin-skinned and is now at a very vulnerable point. When he he did lose the you know, some 150-pound guy off the street, which as, as Brett would tell you. And, and Razor's livid. He's very livid, and Brett's going to take advantage of that. It, it was just a demonstration of how he's going to take advantage of him. It just, it, to me, just that, it didn't have much of a sparkle about it. Like, he came out, no music, wandered out, didn't get in the ring. The mic didn't work initially. <laughs> an unbranded mic. It did feel kind of thrown together. It did feel just like it was just hoyed out there. And it just, for a guy who was only a few months ago the WWF champion, it just felt like it could have had a bit more sparkle to it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah it's it was fine for what it was, I guess. I mean, Razor has two feuds going at once here, so it's and it's great for Razor because Razor's like mixing it up with like the former WWF champion, so he's in good company. He is. He is, and there's a big push coming soon for Razor, so. Better days are ahead. Exactly, exactly. So it was nice. It was a, it, it, it served a good purpose. This 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 whole bit. Back at ringside, Bobby Heenan's doing that stupid bit with the TVs again. And at first, I was like, oh god, this again. We just got to show how boring everything else is on TV because we're raw. You know, we're where it's at. It's like, like how bad is your inferiority complex really? But then the TV goes out. It goes to static. And who should appear when it reilluminates but Johnny Polo? Yeah! 
Johnny Polo on Monday Night Raw. Which I guess makes him like wrestling's version of Max Headroom. <laughs> yeah, I thought Max Headroom. <laughs> he should have had like the neon lines behind them, behind his head. This is great. Big... I, lo- I love this. What a great way to, to 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 ring in a new character by playing off on this TV tuning stuff. Yes, yeah. Johnny Polo, who for those of you who are not in the know, would be the future Raven. <laughs> Except yeah. he was not very he was not very Raven like in this role. No, we are just a few months removed from Scotty Flamingo, and we're about a year away from Raven at this point. This is mm-hmm. the second time that Scott Levy's been in WWF. In the, in 1990, you can watch Scott on an episode of Prime Time Wrestling as Scotty the Body losing to Coco Beware. <laughs> well, it's a. It's a flamingo versus the Birdman, so it has has a motif to it at least. Exactly, exactly. So, for those to kind of describe Raven's character here, he was basically a rich, snotty sort of man of privilege who dressed in the most obnoxious outfits possible, and was super cheery and energetic to the point where you're going, "That can't be Raven. That cannot be Raven." I got to tell you this side story. A, a, a friend of mine who has been a supporter of this podcast for a number of weeks now since I made her aware of it was a huge Raven mark back in the Attitude Era. Had a crush on him, everything. Thought he was the greatest. She she had never heard of Johnny Polo until a few years ago. She was unaware of his existence. I said, you want to see Raven before, when he was a manager before he became Raven? She's like, I know that was a thing. I sent her a video of him doing a Coliseum video segment where he toured, I think, the Coliseum Studios or the headquarters or whatever. And she's watching super cheery, obnoxious, loud Johnny Polo, and her jaw was on the floor. She could not believe what she was watching. It was so anti-Raven. Does she still fancy him now or not? Uh, I haven't asked her. I I, I, I didn't want to... I thought I may have ruined the illusion for her. Oh, <laughs> you've ruined him forever. Uh, it's... Uh, it's... <laughs> yeah. He should be on a show called That's So Not Raven. Starring Johnny <laughs> Polo. Like it, like it. So, you know, it's kind of a shame that, that Polo was not a wrestler here. Because he, he would add a lot to this company in the ring, I think. He's merely a manager... And he's managing Adam Baum. Ah, we welcome Brian Clark to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. The former Night Stalker, which is great that we have a, have a Jeffrey Dahmer and a Night Stalker reference on the, on the same podcast. In fact, only a few months ago um, in this timeline, Brian Clark had a tryout in the WWF as the Night Stalker. And they liked Brian mm-hmm. Clark, but they didn't like the gimmick. Now, I... I gotta say, people, people have put Adam Bomb on WrestleCrap. I mean, I mean, Artie Reynolds put him on WrestleCrap, and people think it's a crappy gimmick. I like the Adam Bomb gimmick. Do you know who came up with it? Was it Bruce or Pat? No, it wasn't. It was uh, a concept between Brian Clark and Tom Fleming. It's a name you may not know in WWF history. He was the WWF's costume designer, logo maker, and the general prop guy. He's the chap 
who also helped create the look and persona of guys like Papa Shango, Razor Ramon, Crush, and he designed the scepter for the winner of the King of the Ring. Wow. He left WWF ages ago, um, and he's now a freelancer for comic books and trading card companies. So if you play Magic the Gathering or the World of Warcraft trading card game, you've probably got some Tom Flemings in your collection because he's an excellent artist. Wow, that's actually uh, it's pretty interesting. That's, Something um... interesting came out of this podcast. I know! I'm as shocked <laughs> as you are, Justin. It's about time. All, it's all about this time. All this, all this malarkey we've peddled for four months now. <laughs> it's, 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 we're, we're finally paying off. So Adam so, Bomb is so we, here. And, uh, well, you took a question to our Facebook conti- constituency, did you not? I did indeed. Adam <laughs> Bomb's gimmick is that of a survivor of the Three Mile Island nuclear meltdown accident, obviously, which mm-hmm. was where the name Adam Bomb came from. It's a pun on Atom Bombs. Do you get it? So Up and at them. Up and at them. So I asked the question on the official Coltonic fan page. To come up with a pun name and a wrestling gimmick to match it. And you have been, in the last nine hours, ridiculously good at this. Thank you so much. So many. And I know that we are pressed for time because we are well over the hour threshold. Ah, that's now, okay. Don't worry about it. Adam Pacitti will have to put another 10p in the meter. Um, so I've, um, I've gone through, Justin, some of my personal favorites. And I'd like mm-hmm. you to give them uh, a bronze, silver, or gold. Okay. And then obviously if there's any that you saw as well that caught your eye, we can pick up on them afterwards as well and I'll return the favour. Um, mm-hmm. Let us go with, let us begin with Ryan Palmer. There's a few people whose names will come up quite a few times. Um, thanks to Ryan Palmer and Carl Ingle. Uh, all afternoon, my <laughs> my notifications on Facebook have just been you two. So thank you very much. Uh, Ryan Palmer, is yours been the same as well? My notifications too, sir. So thank you for tagging me in that post. <laughs> you're very welcome. If I'm, if I'm suffering, you're suffering. Yeah, uh, that's true. Ryan Palmer. Oh. Vey, stop it. Ryan Palmer <laughs> gives us Vey Per. Vignettes of this guy show him in public places, on the bus, the train, and the metro, blowing thick, billowing plumes of vapor, people choking in his wake. When he heads the ring, it's no different, apart from he's using two vape machines. The match can't actually start because the visibility is so bad and vape clouds set the smoke alarm off. They he also has He also has to do the Dolph Ziggler thing where we tell everybody his name so everybody knows who he is and what he does. I'm Vapor. I vape. Yes. I'll give that a goal because that is the consummate heel of the future right there. You can't not boo that, man. Carl Ingle, Noddy Head... Just a yes man who always agrees with the authority figure. <laughs> I'll give it a silver because because Naughty's actually a good name. Uh, Mike Mackler. Uh, this is stolen from OSW Review. We'll tell Jay Hunter that when he does the King of the Ring watch along with us soon. Shut up. It's not Jay Hunter. Um, how about a bodyguard called Barry Cade? <laughs> I can only give that a silver because you stole it, but that's, that's still a good one. Uh, Gerard, Jared, so Jared Perez. Thank you, Jared Perez. You've suggested <laughs> loads here. Uh, Anita Bath, 
a female nasty boy who uses BO to win matches. Oh, now we're just doing like a, like, a, like a Moe's Tavern phone calls. This is basically, <laughs> isn't it? It's the whole series of Moe's Tavern calls he's given us. <laughs> in that case, let me throw in Willie B. Hard again. The guy who's waiting for his dick pills to come in the mail. <laughs> Ivana Tinkle. Everybody put down your glasses. Ivana Tinkle. Amanda Hug and Kiss. <laughs> I like, although I will say, uh, a French athlete who is very fit called Jacques Strap. Thank you, sir. I did like. <laughs> I did like Jared's suggestion of huge ass because he puts basically Rikishi. <laughs> uh, for all of those selections, bronze, silver, or gold? Uh, because he, he gives a menagerie, then let's go silver. David Olsen, the rock, but it's just literally a rock. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's bronze. You can do better than that, buddy. Come on. <laughs> Hang on. Go back, go back, go back. Damien Stone had a great one. Anna Balica, women's division X bodybuilder who has continued suspended under the wellness policy. <laughs> gold. All right, that's a gold. That's, that's a, gold. a gold. That's a gold. Um, Carl Ingle, um, arse crack. It's basically just Rikishi. Arse crack. Come on. That's bronze. And, and bronze is generous. Scott Free, a heel authority figure who never gets his receipt. <laughs> All right, all right, that's a goal. I like that one because it's, it's simple, but it works. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, a bloody good wrestler that no one can beat. Ho, oh, shut up, Carl. Shut up. Carl, Carl. I love you. I go, love you. I, away, I hope Carl. you're going to be the... I can make you the fourth guy on that podcast if you want to. Oh, not really. Boring. Carl, it's, it's over between us. <laughs> um, Ian Cruz, Big E Smalls, a slightly shorter version of Big E Langston. <laughs> I'll give that a goal because Big E should have his own version of Mini Me. <laughs> now this, this is gold. This is absolute gold. Um, Benjamin Burton, a trio of submission masters called Snap, Crackle and Pop. Gold, 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 gold. <laughs> well, Mick Foley has to be the pop because he could be cheap pop. Yeah, Snap, Crackle and Cheap Pop. Yes, that place. <laughs> it's... Let's have a look who uh, else is. We've had so many. This has been wonderful. Tom Williams, <laughs> mountaineering enthusiastic, sex offender, Raymond Pissed. Let's not go any deeper into that, but thank you, Tom. No, no, no. I'm not going to grade that one. That's. I'm, I'm not keep, keeping my hands clean. Actually, Raymond Pissed, um, I should say. Sorry, I ruined the uh, the subtle yes. timbre of that particular <laughs> message. I like the I like Damien Stones here. Somebody talks with their hands, gesticulate. <laughs> Gesticulate, thank you. <clears throat> John Eiley. Cheers, John. Uh, from Las Vegas, Nevada, the gambler, Jackpot. I like, I like the Benny one. The Benny one. On John's uh, list. Oh, Benny Factor. Someone who's inherited a lot of cash and pays his opponents to lay down. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. Fitness fanatic, Gymnasium. From the scrapyard, Rex Cars. That's brilliant. And the comedian Joker. We'll give that one a nod as well. Um, we got a mention in this by Jose Antonio Guido, Tom Campbell, and Just In Henry. The campus tag team in and out of the ring. 
And he's included on the Facebook page a picture of David Williams and Matt Lucas, which I'm assuming is me and you. Which one am I, the ugly one? I am the fat one. I'm always the fat one. So you're David be... Williams on the left and I'm Matt Lucas on the right. I like my shorts. I look comfy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, There's a few more here. Damien Stone. Oh, this is cool. Damien Stone, show tune singing luchador antagonist Roger Hammerstein. That's brilliant. Uh, I give that a goal because um, I do enjoy the occasional musical. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. The in- Indian Formula One driver, Ray Singh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike Bell. <laughs> So basically, so basically, it's Bob Holly, but just uh, <laughs> it's different. It's Indian Bob Holly called Racing. <laughs> when Bob Holly and the Sultan from that tag team. I don't know why that's tickled me so much. <laughs> Ginger Vitus, finishing move the halitosis. Thank you to <laughs> Nigel Pacitti, who I, who I assume is related to Adam. Oh, nepotism. We'll give that a gold anyway. Um, oh, where's... Um, who is it that gave us... Here we go. Kyle Driver. The inventor of the pile driver. <laughs> Thank you, William Stewart. <laughs> Kyle Driver, the king of the that's pile just, driver. That's just, that's just too silly. I love it. I love it. Canada's favourite fiery superhero. Xander Fielder offers us Le Fleur is Lava. <laughs> gold, gold, gold. Although I love the first one from Ben Phantom who says, I think they should have a toga wearing Italian. They push the moon called Roman Reigns. Oh, nice. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Oh, there's been, there's so many. Martin Stevens, uh, Dudu's spine was horribly bent in a car accident. Bend over. <laughs> <laughs> Evil construction were the building from Phil Bonder. <laughs> Thank you, Jericho. I mean, Phil Bonder. Um, right, there's so. loads. But th- do you know what? If you've taken time to, to drop us a yes. message with puns today, thank you so much. That is the so. biggest and the most hilarious reaction that we've ever had from the Cultaholic Facebook page. <laughs> Le Fleur is Lava might be my favorite one. I think Le Fleur is Lava <laughs> is a winner. Or Snap, Crackle and Pop. Nah, it's Lava. Thank oh. you for that one. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. Thank you for putting up with us. We appreciate it times a thousand. Thank you so much. Oh, and we got one more match here. And we, we have our Adam main Bomb. event of the evening with Adam Bomb. It's like Atom Bomb. Get it? We asked you on Facebook. No, I'm joking. We've just done that bit. Adam Bomb versus Phil Apollo, who's gimmick is apparently to tell Apollo Crews things that he wants to hear. <laughs> no, no. His gimmick is to put items inside Apollo Crews. No, his, to fill Apollo. No, he's the promoter for the Apollo Theater. His job is to fill it. Okay. <laughs> Adam Bomb versus Phil Apollo. <laughs> oh, guys, I, I bought Chris Rock. Where is everybody? <laughs> I do think I'm high tonight, but I don't smoke <laughs> weed. But I feel like I'm high tonight. You're just high on life, Tommy. I'm just high on life tonight. It's wonderful. <laughs> So let's just get through this damn match. Um, <laughs> Adam Bomb, Bomb is here with the WWF. How exciting. Yes. Yeah, how, how great it is. He gets a great standing dropkick on Mr. Apollo. Vince, Vince actually says impressive impression at one inch, at one juncture, which 
Oh, it's late in the taping. He must be tired. It's during his match of Vince Plug's Duplicates, a, movie, a TV movie about a government experiment. And I think my new passion is now Vince plugging things during matches that nobody remembers. Wait till 95 when we get the Tech War plugs. Oh, I'm going to live for those Tech War plugs when William Shatner comes in. Yes. We got... We get, we get this great spot on the floor where this guy where this guy outside the ring is jumping up and down while laughing at Apollo while he's suffering on the floor. I don't know why, why that was funny, but I thought it was funny. Back in the ring, diving clothesline, and this cool-looking powerbomb finish. Like, I mean, he just... He just a very simple flip-and-drop powerbomb. It was picture-perfect. And that was it. Better squash than the Crush match and the Money, Money Inc. match. Far better than any of those. Uh, good look for Adam Bomb. I like comes out with the goggles and the nuclear tights on and all this stuff. He will wear, at some point, green contact lenses. And yellow ones as well. And yellow ones as well, like because he's all nuclear and stuff. But I know I like the look of Adam Bomb here. I, I'm excited to see what he will do. Same here. Never, that, that about wraps it up. They plug next week's show. The Steiner Brothers, Razor Ramon, Mr. Hughes, and... The Alpha and the Omega Pro Wrestling Hacksaw Jim Duggan will all be on the show. Oh, dear. One more time around the block with Jim Duggan. Oh. Leave the memories alone. We end with a Bam Bam interview because Bam Bam is facing Marty Jannetty for the Intercontinental Belt next week, which is kind of a rare gem in and of itself. Yeah, I'm excited to see Bam Bam and Marty because Marty's in good form at this point. Indeedy. And Sherry and Luna are going to be involved. Sherry's going to be in Marty's corner to try to neutralize Luna. Of course, Sherry had a minor issue with Bam Bam at that point as well. It's uh, Savage is excited for the possibility of a cat fight here because he's Randy Savage, and well, that's what makes him happy. Nothing like a Memorial Day cat fight in here in the United <laughs> States. And Bam Bam talks about what he's going to do next week because he's going to use Luna to keep Sherry out of his way. And that's pretty much it. And that is Monday Night Raw. I don't think it was as good as last week, but I thought it was oh, still no, a no. good episode. Yeah, nothing was going to top last week's show, although I think Perfect Blink may have been the best match on either show, even better than Sean Marty. Yeah, Perfect and Doink was the standout tonight. Amazing work. And it was nice to see Adam Bomb getting a run out. I'm quite intrigued to see what they do with him. And uh, nice to see Hulk Hogan on Raw for a change. The, you know, the <laughs> WWF champion. If Brock Lesnar gets beef for not turning up on Raw. Hogan is a whole different ball game. Yeah, it's... Uh, he's just sending tapes, though. It's like, you know... He's just like, I want you to all say hi to my friend, Mr. Black. It's what, it has that feel to, hey, kids, the Hulk's the Hulk going to be busy for a while, uh, jet skiing, and... He died on the way back to his home planet. He's not Poochie. That's a different character. <laughs> so we will see you next week. Thank you so much for all your involvement this week in the in the podcast, in the ridiculous amount of feedback that we've had. Thank you for getting in touch. Uh, let's do this next week, shall we? Uh, Justin, anything you want to plug? Uh, just my Twitter, JRH Writing. That's all I got to plug, really. Excellent. At JRH Writing on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. At Cultaholic on Twitter and on YouTube. If you haven't done so already, join us with 12 exclamation marks. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 